One of my favorite dad stories here at our church is um, um, with a great guy named Eric Cognier. He and he has two boys, uh, Theo and Jolin. And uh, if you know Eric, he's handy, he's crafty, he's creative, he's also an engineer uh, by trade. And so it's no surprise that he would have a workshop in his house uh, to make things and build things, and he's often done a lot of that stuff around his house. My voice sounds different after I sing, eh? I think I feel like I'm a different man up here or something. But <clears throat> the, uh, so, so his son wanted to, wanted to help him with, with some of the things he was doing and use the tools and get, get in there and try things. But one of the problems was is that um, Theo, his, he had very sensitive ears to the noise. And when a machine would go on, a drill would go on, a saw would go on or something like that. And so he kind of was started to feel left out because he couldn't participate. And at times he wanted to. And then when the machines went, he would leave and then maybe wouldn't come back. And so Eric was trying to figure out what he could do to help his son kind of get in the game and get into this. And so he bought him. You ever see some of those like protective earmuffs, muffles, earmuffs, kind of like that? And so these kind of protective earmuffs for him. And then this, the coolest thing, he thought it was the coolest thing that happened, that he could have these earmuffs, that he can come in, that he can hang out with his dad, that he can actually help and do things. And now all of a sudden, Theo was helping and learning how to build stuff and hang around the machinery and even use the machinery. And so his son was able to help and learn and explore. And I love that story. One, because it's, just a, it's a great dad story and it's a great kid story. But it also reminds me of what we're talking about this month. We're talking about gifts that we have. Uh, that we would, we want to develop, we want to learn, we want to grow. Oh, thank you. Um, and and sometimes we we hit obstacles with those gifts. Sometimes we don't know where to try them, or an environment doesn't fit, or maybe there's something in the way, like a sensitivity that doesn't enable us to get involved. And th- and and all this month we've been talking about gifts. And last week we were reminded through the Apostle Paul in First Corinthians 12 that the church is like a body. And just like everyone's given a gift, every, every body has body parts, and all those body parts work together. And each of our gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit, uh, they all work together. And uh, some are seen more than others. Some are um, maybe at times seem like they're not as important than others. But Paul, when he brings this, this analogy, lets us know all the gifts are important, just like all the body parts are important. And so last week we shared a list on the screen, and I think it's up there. And also, if you have uh, our, your, our app on your phone, whether it's Google or Apple, people took this gift survey, just a, a, an introductory gift survey, not exhaustive, but to help people start discovering or considering what their gifts are. And how we landed last week is we said everybody, if this is true, if the body of Christ is like a physical body, and if in Christ we're all uh, you know, equally valuable and the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, then everybody contributes, everybody benefits. Sometimes in the season of your life, you benefit more, you contribute less. Sometimes you contribute more, you benefit less. And it kind of runs around like that. But everyone is given a gift from the giver, which is the Holy Spirit, for the common good, the benefit of everyone. And when I thought about this story with Eric and Theo, it reminds me that sometimes there's obstacles to discovering our gifts, or maybe there's obstacles to developing our gifts. Sometimes we need encouragement. Sometimes we need to try something. Sometimes we need a safe environment to to mess up and and to fail at times. Sometimes we need an obstacle removed. And that's why I love this this short story with Eric and Theo, because it reminds me that there's always a way to discover There's always a way maybe to get around an obstacle and try something. There's always a way to develop and use your gifting. And 
Today I want to ask the question, and hopefully we can, we can you know, explore it a little bit. How can we grow? If it's true that we're all given gifts, if it's true that we're all called to serve the body of Christ, where we all contribute and everybody benefits, how can we grow in discovering and using our gifts? And I think the first part of discovering our gifts is actually wanting to use our gifts, is a desire that, that God would use us and reveal to us these gifts and, and where we would, we would find a place where we can start exploring that. Paul, in, in chapter 14 of, uh, of, second, of 1 Corinthians, as he continues talking about gifts, he gets to this section where he tries to work out an issue that the Corinthian church is having with how some gifts are highlighted more than others and how to actually use some of these gifts that benefit the body more. But he says this line at the beginning of that chapter. He says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Now, there's something to be learned in chapter 14. We're not going to get to it today. But I want you to notice this emphasis. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Here's the Apostle Paul encouraging this church in the first century as they're figuring out what it means to be a church, what it means to serve each other, what it means to be on mission saying you must desire the spiritual gifts if you want to see God at work among you using them. And I, I, maybe I'll say it this way, and I'll put it on the screen. It will be harder to discover if you don't desire. This is true with everything. It's hard to discover something if you don't desire it. You might, you might, you know, you might say, someone might tell you, it's great, you should discover the world. Well, if you, don't want to, if you have no desire to travel, you're probably never going to discover, right? Uh, you, someone might say, you know, you should learn another language. If you have no desire to learn the language, then you will never discover it, right? And the same thing with spiritual gifts. If we don't desire it, we will rarely or in a maybe less fashion discover it. And so last week, we ended saying these words. Um, as maybe some of you took the, the gift survey or you're thinking about this, one of the ways to discover and start to grow in our gifts is to try them, is to test it out, is to get a sense. If the Lord has given me the gift of wisdom or the gift of leadership or the gift of mercy, uh, am I trying that? Am I testing that out? Am I getting into a situation, into an environment, into a ministry, into an opportunity where I can discern if I actually have these gifts? Now, uh, most messages I chat with my wife afterwards, and she kind of lets me know, if I missed something. And last week, she let me know something that I think was important that I missed. <laughs> she said, you know, can't, can't we kind of serve in a lot of the different gifts? Because I gave this almost this rigid limit. Hey, if you, if you got more than three, you're fooling yourself, you know? And, uh, and it, it very likely that God's going to use you primarily in a few gifts. He's not going to use you in the whole gift of lists, uh, of gifts, sorry, a whole list of gifts. But here's something, as she mentioned that to me, it reminded me of this. It's true. God will sometimes use you in more gifts than you have. Sometimes God will use you in a variety of, in, in a variety of ways that maybe is not your primary way. So you might be stuck in, you might be put in a situation, and that situation, there's nobody else around, and it requires the gift of leadership, but you're not generally a gifted leader. God hasn't generally wired you that way. But does that mean God can't help you in that moment to do something? No, he can that's how God works. Another reason why I think we can explore some of the gifts widely is because some of these gifts really reflect the Christian life. I mean, if, if we say, you know, Paul listed the gift of giving. So you say, well, you know, I don't know, Rui has the gift of giving, so therefore I don't got to give. Well, that would kind of be weird. Or, you know, Nathan has the gift of evangelism, so I never have to share my faith. Or, you know, Franca has the gift of mercy, so I can be mean to everybody right? So, no, 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 that's not the case, right? When we look at some of these gifts, we also recognize that there's an overlap, that, that in some of these areas, we grow, we all grow 
in some of these areas. Now, God will then give us some of these gifts specifically because that's how we will primarily contribute to the work of the ministry. Gifts can also be seasonal. There can be a season in your life where God uses you in a more specific way than another way. Years ago, I read this book by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God, a great writer and um, Christian. And he, he, said, he, he shared this idea that I think makes sense with how God works with us. He was talking about a student ministry in a college and how in that moment, some of these students had no clue how to really um, do what the Lord was calling them to do. And the Lord enabled them. The, the Lord helped them. They sought God. They, they pressed into God. They asked God to help them. And outside of maybe their normal spiritual gifts, God empowered them to do some incredible things. And, and Blackaby says, sometimes God will just empower you in the moment because you're the person who's there and there's a need to be met and this is what God wants to accomplish and he does it. Can God do that? I think he can. So I think that's really important. There's other, other times, I mentioned to you last week, I don't specifically have the gift of knowledge where, where the scripture talks about, and I can define knowledge in two ways. One, to kind of grow in intellect and, and insight and analyze things. And the other gift of knowledge could be where God gives you a specific word for somebody or you're talking with someone and you send something you should, you should let them know about. That's generally not been my gift. But about a year ago, I was at a workshop with three of our leaders from Westside, and I was sitting beside someone from our church, and they were walking through something, and I have no idea why in that moment as I was praying for her, I got this image, this clear image for her. That's not me. Like, that never, rarely ever happened. And I'm like, should I share this? I, don't, I could probably be wrong. This is not really my gift. I don't function in this way often. And the, but the Lord really impressed it on my heart. And when I shared this insight, this, this kind of image with her, I said, you know, I kind of sense that this is what you're going through as I was praying for you, and maybe this is what the Lord wants you to do. And, you, and all of, it was like, that's exactly what God wanted to, was doing in her. And I thought, wow, God, I mean, that's not my regular thing. <laughs> That's not how you regularly use me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's my, you know, my, my spiritual gift, but the Lord in that moment. So I want to let us know sometimes God, God can go beyond the boundaries, right? That's important. When we discover, though, our primary gifts, how God uses us, I think we'll discover a few things. One is we, will, we can discern whether we feel joy when we use that gift. doesn't mean that, that you don't sacrifice or take time away from something or maybe sometimes a gift feels like work, but when you're functioning in your, in your gift, there's a sense of joy that happens in that moment or in that use of that gift. There's a sense that other people are impacted. You start to dis- discover that people are impacted when you, use you, when you use your gift, and when you don't, people miss out. So often someone will come and say, I so appreciated how you serve in this specific way and in this you know, fashion. And they're letting you know they've been impacted. I mean, I, I so appreciate how some of, of some of the people at Westside use their gifts, gifts that I don't have. And I'm personally impacted. My family's personally impacted. Our church is impacted. And I look back and say, that's how God works when people are using their gifts. I think the other, what, another thing we discover when we are working in our gifts is we discover God's presence and God's power. Um, I don't claim to be like, you know, uh, a gifted speaker or preacher or, or, or like that, you know, in, in any such way. But I, there's been moments, moments in my teaching where I felt like God was doing something way beyond me, way beyond my words, way beyond what I put together, way beyond what I prepared, way beyond what I even thought would happen. And, and when, you, when you're functioning in your gifts, 
there's going to be moments where you sense God at work, not just you. So joy, a sense of impact, and a sense of God at work. That's part of what happens when we start to function in gifts, when we start to discover our gifts and desire them and work in them. But I want to talk about some, another piece of this, because I, don't want, I, want to, I want to not just stop at discovery. Oh, this, is, this would be so awesome if God would use me in this way. I want to talk about how, like, developing and actually deploying our gifts, using our gifts. Romans chapter 12, we're going to jump out of Corinthians and move to this other chapter in the Bible that Paul writes as well to this other church. And it's, it's amazing because you see the overlap. So listen, listen to Paul, verse 3, Romans 12. Sounds so similar to 1 Corinthians. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So we see this theme coming in of God distributing to us, just like 1 Corinthians. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to the other. So here's this body theme like we saw in 1 Corinthians 12. And the first part of verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We'll just stop there. So Paul's view of gifts, the body, everyone contributing, wasn't this singular teaching to Corinthians, to the Corinthian church. Paul taught this to the Roman church. Paul sent this similar thoughts to the Ephesian church. This was Paul's ecclesiology. This is what Paul thought and believed about how the church functioned together as a body, working together, serving together. And I love what Paul says next in verse 6 to 8. Listen to this. After he says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, he says, and catch these words I, I, I put, I bolded there. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Something, something you're going to notice is if you were here with us the last couple of weeks, the list looks a little different than his list of the First Corinthian church. They're a little bit different because it's not this exhaustive, rigid, top-down, priority, kind of like they all go this way. Paul's just helping them understand how, how, what it means to function, being empowered by the Holy Spirit and being part of the church. But I love when you see the if-then. And, and, and I kind of think of it that way. Like Paul's trying to say, if you have this gift... Well, then use it. And if you have this gift, then use it. And if you have this gift, then use it. Paul's getting this idea that gifts are meant to be deployed, are meant to be used, are meant to be served with. My dad, when, when, um, when I was growing up, I started to sense his, his gifts, his calling in his life. He grew up uh, in Italy for the first 20 years of his life. Then he moved to Canada, was involved in business for another 20 or 22 years of his life and always involved in the local church while he was uh, in business as well. And then he shifted fully into full-time ministry, came to Montreal and moved here. And over the years, I noticed some of his gifts. My dad was a musician. Now, you know, we don't read the gift of musicianship in the scripture, but he used that skill with some spiritual gifts in the church. And I, he kind of took that seriously. If you can do this, if this is your gifting or the Lord has blessed you in this way, then use it. I saw him use this gift of vision or faith 
He always saw beyond what was possible. There was, a, you know, the, people, the Italian people, in, mainly in the east end of Montreal, the demographic here in, in, in Montreal, part of a demographic here in Montreal, and he was Italian, well, so am I. But he had this calling to reach Italians. And he started a, a TV program and a radio program, and he would record uh, programs every Thursday night, and then they'd be distributed in this one channel. And, you know, he'd go, he'd go in hospitals in, like, the East End, and these people would recognize him because they would see him on TV. It was this, this small little Italian channel. But, you know, the Italians in Montreal were the people watching that channel, obviously, right? But he had his gift of vision. He had that gift, and then he used it. He used it to spread the gospel. He used it to see the church grow. He used it to help people think beyond. He had this gift with words. Even though he came from Italy and to Canada, he became fluent in both languages, English and Italian. And then, again, just trying to reach the Italian people at the time, he started this magazine that was called The Lighthouse. And uh, I remember bringing this magazine to my Italian teacher in, at Dawson College, because I took a couple of elective courses. And she looked at the magazine, and she was, like, impressed with the words, like, with the language. She said, your dad, was, was, is he from Italy? I said, he was born there. And his gift, he didn't use it. In, he, he could have used it in so many ways, but he used it to reach people for the gospel. Put this magazine together, put these things together. And I would see this. If somebody has this gift, then, as Paul would say, use it. Deploy it for God's mission and God's purposes. Maybe you've come across this quote, and it reminds me of what we're talking about. And it's this. If a ship, if a ship in a harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for, a ship in a harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. And I think that's kind of what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that the gifts we have, you know, they're not meant to stay dormant. They're meant to be used. They're meant to be lived out. They're meant to be um, acted on. Just last week, I was sitting with a college student from our church and challenging them and inviting them into thinking about student ministry or youth ministry with Westside and uh, as we were talking, um, we were talking about how potentially God might use them. God, God, you know, they were in our youth ministry for a couple of years, uh, and we're grateful for that. And we were, as we were talking about that, I said, well, what if God might want to use you since you've been in youth ministry now and you were participant in it? What, what if he might use you to help us continue to shape our youth ministry? And, and this young guy quickly got it. He said, you know, I went to camp for so many years, six or seven years, I loved it, I enjoyed it, there was something about it that I just, I loved what people experienced, and now, now, I'm, now I'm starting to serve at this camp, and I'm starting to be a counselor, I'm starting to help, and he quickly got it, he said, I've received this, I've experienced this, maybe I should be helping others experience it as well, and so he thought right away, he's like, well, maybe just like in camp, maybe I should, I should do this with the church, with youth, and I thought, yeah, that's, that's if you have this gift. If you have this opportunity, then use it. And notice how Paul takes the use of gifts super seriously. He, he, he doesn't hold back, especially he, he, he gives us an example with three of the gifts. Verse 8. Listen how he describes these three gifts. He says, if your gift is giving, he doesn't just say then give. He says give generously. If it's leading, he doesn't say just lead. Do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, he doesn't say, just be nice to people, empathetic. No, 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 do it cheerfully. I love how in this moment we're stretched a little bit further, that it's not just like, I have a gift, I use a gift. 
you know, this is how I'm going to function. No, when you receive a gift, how will you approach that gift? How will you use that gift? What will your posture and your passion and your whole self be in giving towards being used in this gift? And so he highlights these three gifts particularly. I don't know why. I don't think it's exhaustive. I think he just gives us an example. But he says, if you're going to give, give generously. Now I want to apply these kind of to all the gifts. Because I want to think about this, that word generously, it's beautiful because what Paul is saying is when you serve and use your gift, use it in abundance. Don't use it with scarcity. Don't just hold that gift to yourself only for you and a few other people. Don't do it with scarcity. But God has blessed you. God has given you something. God has given you opportunity. And God wants to encourage you in these spiritual gifts. Use them generously. Use them generously, not holding it on, not holding on to it, but giving it up. And I don't want to just apply that to giving because it seems like an obvious thing. But as we serve, that we serve out of a sense of abundance. God, we can never outgive God. We can never outserve God. We can never outlove God. We can never outbless God. So as we serve and as we give and as we use our gifts, Let's use it out of a sense of abundance that we're not going to lack. Serve generously. Here's the next one. Lead diligently. I love that word, and we're going to come back to it in a second, but just as he's talking about leadership and as we think about other gifts, lead intentionally, purposefully, with a sense of preparedness. And I'll come back to that gift, but let's go to this mercy one. When he talks about cheerful, this is your attitude. So your attitude, when you serve, do it with joy, do it with sincerity, do it with a a grateful heart. As, as God blesses you with a gift and helps you discover that gift and you start to use that gift, you don't do it with, um, uh, you know, uh, like, a, um, I guess, a reserved attitude. But Paul said, no, no, do it cheerfully. And especially when you're giving mercy to someone, do it cheerfully. Wouldn't it be crazy if it's like someone who has the mercy gift? Yeah, I got that gift. I'm all about mercy. I'm going to go visit that person in the hospital. And then, but I just, I can't wait to leave. Because I just, you know, five minutes is enough for me of giving mercy. That's it, you know? Like, that would be weird, right? But here Paul's like, no, no, no. If you have to give the mercy, be merciful in a cheerful way. But in all our gifts, what's our attitude? Now, let me come back to this, this word diligent, because it really jumps out at me as I was thinking about this and thinking about how we apply this. The word diligent, for me, I don't know what, I don't know what, what strikes you when you hear the word diligent. I think, like, something's at stake. There's something at stake I need to be diligent because something's at stake here. Something matters. What I am about to do or what I'm participating in or how God is going to use me, it matters. And so as Paul, I love how he inserts this word. He does it with leadership, but as, think about this in how we serve all the time. Do we serve and give of our time and use our gifts because we believe there's something at stake, that something matters? Here's, here's the opposite. Or maybe, what's the opposite of diligent, anybody? Kind of share the opposite of diligent? Lazy? Someone say lazy? Reckless? Anybody else? Wow, say that again. Okay, cool. Now define it for, no, I just, (laughs) I think it fits under the reckless and lazy or kind of like laissez-faire type of, indifferent. Okay, okay, cool. It's good, it's good. 
Here's some, here's some, here's some language that you, we might hear, and I've heard it sometimes in the church. I'm not saying I heard it here, but I've heard it in my life growing within various churches, and it's the opposite of diligent. When people say something like this, well, it's only the church. I know, I know I'm going to serve, I'm going to do this, but it's only the church. Or some of them say, this is not my work. I mean, it's not like I get paid to do this. So only the church, not my work, or maybe this is another one. How, how are you going to put this together? What's going to happen? Look, I got limited time, and I, uh, I'm going to do it this way. But listen, I'm sure everyone's going to understand. I'm sure they'll understand. That, that little phrase, I'm sure they'll understand, it doesn't really reflect diligence. Or this is not a great one. It's only kids. It's only kids. It's kids' kids quest. Like, why do I got to bring my A game to kids' quest? They're only kids. I mean, I'm going to be with them for an hour. We're going to high-five each other, throw a couple of balloons. No, that's not... No, right? Who would say that? That's, that doesn't reflect diligence. Oh, this is, like, this is not a concert. Why, do, why, should, why should I practice my part? Why should I like, learn my harmony? Why should I like, actually learn how to play this chord? It's not a concert. This is the family of God. Nobody cares about what it sounds like. I, and I know I say that with uh, more conviction because I'm a musician, but, but that, that can be a phrase that is the opposite of diligence. Another phrase is, we're just family. I mean, hey, if you come to my, look, when we're at home, I mean, who cares if there's like a towel left on the floor, something or whatever, like, and so we're just family. So as a church, we're just family. It doesn't matter how I, how I serve or when I serve or what I put things together. Now, I don't want to say that to make anybody feel like, oh, the pressure's on. We're here to perform and we're here to look perfect. That's not us. We don't exist as a church and we don't drive one another towards serving God to be better or cooler or more competitive or to have the best, you know, music or the best this or the best that. You know, we're, that's not what, it's not that kind of pressure. It's just, it's purposeful. How do we serve with purpose? Not pressure, not performance, not perfection. How do we serve with purpose? Some, some people, and, and, I, and I lived in an era where sometimes we're like, the church has to have this value of excellence. And then we, we worship the God of excellence instead of like the fact that, hey, we're on mission with each other. We're a family. We're serving one another. So it's, it's not that. It's being purposeful. Why? For the sake of transformation. Because there's a stake in the ground in this. Because people matter. Because we want to impact people. Because we want ministry to be genuine. We want ministry to be effective. And so when I think of the word diligence, I think of do we intentionally um, prepare ourselves for how to serve when we serve? And as, you're, we're gonna, as you maybe are learning, some of you have already discerned your gifts and are serving in your gifts, and some are learning that and growing in that. Wherever you are on that, that journey, as you participate and serve in ministry, to serve with all diligence I think has this sense of, of, of what it means to prepare and maybe even practice or maybe even be intentional about how am I making an impact? Now, I know that, you know, as a musician, I think of this right away. And here, this is a great example. And I don't know why this is true, but I've played with a lot of musicians. And if you're a musician, you know this. The best musicians are always more prepared than the worst musicians. Isn't that weird? Like, why would the person with the most skill have spent more time practicing than the person with less skill? I, I don't know why that would be the case. But I've played in a lot of different bands, a lot of different uh, places, and a lot of different worship ministries, and the best musicians were the most prepared. The ones that had the most skill, the most experience, 
When we went around and said, did you listen to the music? The person that was the most skilled said, yeah, I listened to the song over and over again. I caught it. I took notes. I'm like, yeah, but you're the best one on the team. Why? And then, or like, yeah, I went over the chords. I took notes. And it, it's strange, but the most gifted musicians, in my experience, came ready. They listened to the, to the song. They practiced it. They were aware of the direction. They came with notes on their music sheet. They, 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 they came ready. I always, it always amazed me. And I think it's because when you see your gift as a gift, you develop it. When you see your gift as a gift, you develop it. My, my brother, my twin brother, he's one of the better bass players I know. And uh, he'll get asked to play all over the place. I mean, he'll fill in like there's a whole band, orchestra, and they need a bass player. He'll like take the chart. He could play it. He's that good. Yet so many times I call him, John, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just playing some scales. Well, John, what are you doing? I'm going over a song that I'm playing on Thursday night. I'm filling in for a band and I'm listening to the song. And he, I mean, he's a pastor too. He's, he, he has kids. He's busy. He does all kinds of stuff. But he's like, no, I want to I be ready. I'm going to be ready. Because he sees his gift as a gift. When you see your gift as a gift, you develop it. And you know what that does? That's, that honors God because God's given us these gifts. And it impacts people as we prepare so here's some examples, if you have different gifts, how, what that looks like. Maybe someone with the gift of knowledge, not the kind of insight on the spot knowledge that the Lord might give you, but this sense of like growing in knowledge. Maybe preparedness means taking a class or reading some books on, 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 on a topic that you know the Lord's going to use you in. If you have the gift of helps, you might learn to anticipate the needs of the ministry you're in. You might contact the leader, send them a note and say, hey, let me know whenever you're missing something. I want to know how I can help in the best way possible. Maybe someone with the gift of giving, they might try giving to something that, that will never impact them at all. They have no connection with it. They say, Lord, you know, you've given me this gift. I also want to grow in this way that I want to make sure that when I give, I, I have no reciprocal benefit. And maybe that's a way that someone who gives will grow that, that gift of giving even more. Maybe you have the gift of teaching, and that means to put yourself in different environments. Maybe to develop that gift, you're going to try a small environment, a large environment, uh, a one-on-one -on -one environment, a seminar, a lecture. Um, you, got, you know, I love to teach, but it's a love-hate relationship because it's often a lot of work. And, uh, and I'll, I'll like take time and recraft things or think about a sentence or a phrase and I'm wondering, like, how can this be possible? How can I help make this happen? I remember once I was given uh, an opportunity to do a live webinar, and I'm like, I never, never did a, a, a webinar before. I'm like, I should try it, you know? Like, it's good for me to teach into a microphone when I see nobody and I have no clue if they're actually listening or on their phone. Let me just try that, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, that's just a way to develop, right? Uh, the gift of administration. Maybe you research systems to help manage a product, the project, like the gift of leadership. If that's your gift, you should probably read a leadership book once a year. And, it's, if, and here's another way to, to develop these gifts. Get around people with the same gift. If you have the gift of hospitality, get around people with the hospitality gift and see what they're doing and what they're learning and how they're growing. Get around people with the giving gift or the leadership gift or the teaching gift or the administrative gift and see what they're learning. If you feel God's given you the gift of discernment, and you're wondering, am I making, am I making a mistake? Do I sometimes lead people astray? Get around people that will give you input in that. Get around people that, that maybe have that gift so you can learn from them and grow together. If you have the prophetic gift or the intercessory gift, get around people like that because you will grow in your gifting. 
you will develop and you'll be challenged. And here's a couple of examples, three ways that maybe this might help you. So let's say someone's in kids' ministry. Do they just show up? I know our kids' ministry leaders don't do that. Do they just show up? No, they read through the curriculum. They personalize it. They read through the scripture. They get a sense of the story or the text in the Bible. They probably sit down and think about, okay, who's in my, who's in my group this week? Oh, this girl. She often struggles with this or this boy. This is often what triggers him. And, and they start thinking about their group and how they would hear this, this topic and how they would engage and participate. They might stop and take a few minutes and pray for each child by name before they lean into that and before they come and serve on a Sunday morning. Maybe they're list, listening to the Lord for any specific promptings. God, is there something specific you want to do? And then they prepare the environment. They set things up. They're like, how can I remove all obstacles from our kids having an awesome time learning, growing together? Maybe someone who leads, who's involved in worship, leading or playing, they listen to the songs, they practice, they ask the worship leader for direction, they come uh, you know, on time to, to be prepared and filled through issues. They're praying because they're like, God, I mean, God, I know I sing or I play, but I can't make anybody worship you. I can't do that. I'm only an instrument. God, would you step in? Would you work? And so, we, so maybe those who are, who are in worship start praying that way. Maybe they... Maybe all of us in our gift, we start confessing, saying, Lord, is there something in me that will hinder my service this week, in this moment, in this group, with this person, when I visit this person? Because your work and the unity of your people and the impact is so important, God, I want to see this happen. So I confess any obstacles in my own heart, in my own life. If you have the teaching gift, for me, when I come thinking about a text and I will read it over and over again, I will, I will slowly go through it, I will, I will write down my personal convictions, what God is getting my attention about, I'll, I'll slowly look at every word and transition to understand what's, what's the writer really getting at. Sometimes I'll read two, three pages around this text because this, this scholar spent 10 years studying the Greek of this text. I'm like, I could never, what could, how can I spend 10 years on this text? I can't do that. So I read a few pages of someone who has, and it gives me insight. And I ask the question, where does this rub against culture? When I say this on a Sunday, how is this going to rub against everybody's Monday and Tuesday at work or at home? And, and on and on, that kind of process goes. And maybe I'm asking God, God, this scripture was taught 2,000 years ago. It's taught to the church for years. What does it mean to Westside today? What's, what are one or two things that Westsiders need to hear? Because I don't know that fully. I'm asking the Lord to lead and guide in that. Maybe what, what, what's Westside going through? And then in similar vein, I might just pause and say, God, I, this is not me. I can't. I will, not, I will not be the one that makes it or breaks it for people. Please go beyond me. And just praying and saying, God, use, you've give, if you've given me this gift, then you, you work in the middle of it. And so at the heartbeat of what I want to say today as we wrap this up is when you see your gift as a gift, you will develop it. When you desire spiritual gifts, you will start discovering them more. As you start discovering them more, you will lean into them and start trying and exploring and you will develop them more and then you will start to use them. And so um, just before we pray, here's a couple of things you can do. First thing is explore widely. If you don't know where your gift is, explore. I said it last week, try and test. 
Explore ministries, explore opportunities, explore things in and even outside the church in other ways where we're serving the world, in, in, in different things where you can just explore widely and find out, hey, is this, does God use me in this way? Does God use me in this way? Have, am I impacting people? Do I sense joy? So explore widely. Second thing is invite input. If you're serving in a ministry or you want to grow in a gift, invite input. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many times I ask people particularly um, hey, do you think um, I could have I done something a little differently in last week's teaching? Do you feel that, like, maybe I said too much? Did you, you feel like maybe I didn't narrow it down enough? Um, often I'll say, did I go too long? And often the question, the answer is yes. Um, you know, some people say, if you go over this time limit, you could have done two messages. So uh, anyway, so, and that does sometimes happen. But here's the thing is, invite input. Invite in, it doesn't matter how long you've been serving, what you're doing, invite input. And then for some of us, how do we start this? I would say this, figure out how to combine a skill or a passion with a gift, right? Because we listed the gift of helps. How can I help? Well, where do I help? I don't know where to help. Well, what if you have a, a passion or a gift? I, I think John Weaver personally has the gift of helps. He might, I don't know, I don't know what he'll fill out on his survey, but he has the skill of a sound technician. So he's combining his passion and love for sound and music with his gift of helps, right? And so someone maybe with a skill or a talent around music can combine their gift of discernment, if that's the case, in terms of what it means to to lead people to pray and worship using music. Maybe someone who has some creative skills or talents can combine their teaching gift and then all of a sudden, their creativity and their teaching work together. Someone with accounting say, I never saw the list. I mean, accounting can't be a spiritual gift. But what if you're an accountant and you have the gift of administration? Well, they go together. What if you're an accountant and you have the gift of vision and faith? And you're thinking like, oh, wow, I can maybe with my love for numbers and to see the stewardship of, of resources be used for God's purposes. Oh, my gosh, what an amazing mix. We're not going to go through all of them. And I'm going to stop here because last week's list was a little long. I learned, because some people gave me input. So I'm going to stop. <laughs> but that, that's the thing, right? You, you, you discover maybe something, a passion, a skill, a talent. It might not be the spiritual gift, but you combine it with a way the Lord's given you gifts. And you mesh them together, and you start exploring, and you start serving. And just as the Apostle Paul said, if you have this gift, then use it. He starts with a noun, right? If you have the gift of giving, noun, then Verb, use it, do it, live it. Sound good? We're going to end early because it's Father's Day. Let's, let's, uh, let's um, stand and pray together. And uh, just as I pray, please, I want, you, I want to remind you um, of our Beyond initiative this month. Uh, be thinking and praying about that. Um, Lori, and um, Lori's right here on the side. Lori, could you kind of just wave so people see you? She's right beside the, the dark pole here, okay? Beside her husband, Barry. And so if you have any questions about, about uh, connecting with, uh, um, with Andrew next week, if you have any questions around that, please. She's also in contact with them often, discerning needs and things like that. When we, as we raise money this month, uh, we're longing to, see, to just bless this couple that's out in Turkey and also bless uh, what they're doing there. And so as our funds come in, we're, we're really excited about that. And then our hygiene kits around, please, this month, just be thinking about that. That's a wonderful way to do that. So keep that in mind as we come back next week because we're going to hear Andrew live as he's uh, joining us uh, from Turkey. So that's going to be amazing. But let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just um, 
are so grateful that you, in your design, has, have created the church in such a way to use us and empower us with gifts. God, how, how in your incredible wisdom, there can be a combination of someone's passion and experience and skill and spiritual gift. God, we're so grateful. We want to be the kind of church where everyone benefits and everyone contributes. We want to be the kind of church where everyone plays a part. We want to be the kind of church that um, helps each other discern our spiritual gifts and move forward with them. Ultimately, God, we desire the work of your spirit. And one of the, one of the overflows of your work by your spirit is the gifts. And so we just say welcome to how you want to use us. That's our ultimate desire. So we place ourselves in your hands. We surrender ourselves in your hands. And like all the gifts, regardless of what gift we have, we stand interceding, desperate before you, saying, Lord, go way beyond me. Go way beyond my gift or time or skill or approach because we want you to be at work and we want to step back one day and say, wow, you did so much as we gave ourselves to the ministry of your church, as we gave ourselves to being used by your Holy Spirit. God, we long for that, Lord. Let us continue to see it in increasing ways. And as people step out here today, may they be encouraged by so many in our church that are already using their gifts and serving. We're so grateful, God. And God, even as I close today, I pray a special prayer for dads because they, they have an amazing opportunity to see the gifts in their kids as they grow spiritually. Um, so would you empower and give wisdom to the dads in our, in our church to have spiritual eyes as well, to partner with the work of your spirit in the home and with their kids' lives, God. And for some kids that are missing that, Lord, may we be a community that steps in and fills the gap. In Jesus' name, amen.